Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Monday, December 4th. On Friday's show, we had the first of two segments with different views from the left about the Israel-Hamas war and the Israeli-Palestinian and Israeli-Arab conflicts. As I said, opening that show, we'll continue on this program as best we can to discuss this crisis and the underlying issues with multiple points of view. As I said before, trying our best to do this in good faith. I'm sure we fall short, but we do try. Keep commenting and critiquing listeners as you see fit. You know, some of the context here uh, about the discussion on the American left is probably well known to you. We had journalist Molly Ball here earlier last week with her recent article called The Left is Tearing Itself Apart Over Israel. Many of you know college students or faculty members who had generally agreed on other left-of-center politics but have been very at odds over this. Politico had an article called the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, is facing an internal reckoning over Israel. That was shortly after October 7th. Our guest on Friday was Jeremy Cohen, co-chair of the New York City DSA steering committee. He was here as a leader of the anti-Zionist left. He used that term. Our guest today, uh, today in just a minute, will be Alexis Grinnell, among other things, a columnist for The Nation magazine, obviously a publication of the left, but who wrote an article there last year called How the Left Alienates Jews, and another this year, before October 7th, pointing to what she heard as anti-Semitism in a commencement speech at the City University of New York. As I said, Alexis Grinnell will join us in a minute. First, though, to set up the contrast, and for those of you, many of you, I'm sure, who didn't hear Friday's segment, here's an exchange I had with Jeremy Cohen from the Democratic Socialists as I asked him about something Alexis Grinnell wrote This exchange runs about two minutes. I mentioned that we'll have a different view from the American left on Monday with Alexis Grinnell from The Nation magazine, who wrote that where the rubber of anti-Zionism meets the road of anti-Semitism is the belief that Israel or a Jewish state should not exist. So is the DSA anti-Zionist? Would you use that word? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, anti-imperialist is like the broad framing. Um, so say no to taking other people's lands, ruling over other people, anti-colonialist, and seeing that the um, from very early on, Herzl and others in um, the Zionist Project A were okay with doing that to Palestinians. That was part of their stated intent. And B, and in alliance with Britain and other imperial powers, and B, had a sort of hypothesis that Zionism was the solution to anti-Semitism. Um, that right, you... but in the context of today, I'm interrupting for time. In yeah, the sure. context of today, if you call yourself an anti-Zionist when the state of Israel exists, then are you not calling for there to be no Jewish state of Israel because you hedged on that before, or you said that's one possible solution? Yeah, I don't, I mean... 
I'm an anti-nationalist generally, like I don't have particular love for any sort of nation states or nationalism. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm like the United States shouldn't exist, though, you know, I'm, I, I think nationalism is kind of a dead end um, as a solution for our long-term political issues. So I think like saying you're an anti-Zionist is about like, you know, say no to um, special rights for uh, Israelis, say no to occupation, say no to apartheid. I think the actual po particular political con configurations that you end up with is beside the point a little bit to saying nationalism is not a solution to the ills of our world. We actually need justice. Um, and B, the, the, any situation that disenfranchises and oppresses and kills Palestinians is totally morally unacceptable. Jeremy Cohen, co-chair of the Steering Committee of the Democratic Socialists of America, New York City chapter, on Friday's show. Joining us now with that other view from the left is Alexis Grinnell, co-founder of the political consulting and communications firm Pythia Public, a columnist at The Nation, and I'll point out that her top-line bio on Twitter includes those credits plus the words Native New Yorker and Jewess. Alexis, thanks for engaging on this. Welcome back to WNYC. Thank you so much, Brian. Do you want to say, first of all, why you included that uh, identity <laughs> point at the end of your Twitter bio? Absolutely. Um, and thank you for highlighting that. So, um, you know, I, I, I can't exactly remember when I added it, but it was sometime earlier this year. And it's just felt important to me to um, publicly be seen as a Jew um, and for me, the, I, I've always loved the term Jewess, so sort of a sense of humor about it. And um, I wanted that to be obvious. It's not always obvious to people, so not based on my name necessarily. And so I, it, it was important to me that I be known as a Jew publicly. All right. Well, you heard that exchange with Jeremy Cohen that started with part of what you wrote in The Nation about anti-Zionism meeting anti-racism, uh, anti-Semitism, I should say. And I'll give you plenty of space to respond to that clip in any way you want. But, but let me ask, so our listeners can get to know where you're coming from, do you consider yourself a Zionist, an anti-Zionist, or neither of the above? And whatever your answer is, how does that fit into your general political identity as a progressive or someone on the left? Yeah, thank you so much for the question, Brian. Um, you know, I'm not someone who's actually ever thought too much about the term until I saw the way it was sort of mutating in modern parlance to be sort of a... Um, Sometimes a cover for anti-Semitism, sometimes just a shorthand for critiquing the Israeli government. And, and I would say used in a multitude of, of contexts in which I think the speaker doesn't necessarily um, mean it to mean one thing or the other, but it, it has a broad uh, series of, of meanings to it. So for myself personally, I believe that the state of Israel has the right to exist. Um, I actually think that it's a very important um, place and must exist. Um, I do not particularly use the term Zionist, um, but I, if that, if, if the shoe fits, sure. Um, and I certainly don't have a problem with the term at all. And uh, to me, it's just a basic question of whether or not you believe Israel has a right to exist. And, and there's some very principled, legitimate, not anti-Semitic Zion, anti-Zionism. And that is absolutely a, a category of thought that I uh, appreciate and respect, even though I disagree with it. 
And is there an explicit argument that you would make that Zionism is consistent with being a person of the left? Uh, I, I guess, I, Brian, do you mean that there, I don't think there's anything inconsistent for me about my politics and supporting the, the right of Israel to exist. So I, no, I okay. don't think it's Well, I had quoted you in, in that exchange uh, that we replayed from Friday from one of your articles in The Nation from earlier this year before October 7th, saying where the rubber of anti-Zionism meets the road of anti-Semitism is the belief that Israel or a Jewish state should not exist. So would you elaborate on that and say why you think opposing a specific political configuration as unjust to minority groups there, which is their argument, is the same as bigotry against the Jewish people? So I don't think that, to be clear. And, you know, the the, the quote you just read was from an, uh, an essay I wrote about a CUNY law uh, graduate student speaker uh, and the way in which her anti-Zionism was anti-Semitic. And to sort of elaborate further, there are, I do not consider progressive Jews who are anti-Zionist to be anti-Semitic. I do not think that the, the sort of intellectual anti-nationalism that you hear a lot and uh, that sort of theoretical critique about favoring one minority's rights above another, you know, there's a as, whole space. As we heard in that clip, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and Mr. Cohen from DSA, you know, articulated exactly that argument, which is not anti-Semitic at all. Um I also reject the idea that Jews are anti-Semitic. So that's as an entire category, you know, we can just disregard that. But I do think when we see a argument against and of of round anti-Zionism that includes um, language that, you know, Israel must uh, be eliminated at all costs, death to Israel, every Zionist should be burned in the hottest pit of hell. It, it, I think oftentimes people who speak those words um, and within that, tradition, they think they're being anti-imperialists, they think they're standing up for an oppressed people. I think they fundamentally both lack an understanding of the historical context of the Jewish Jewish people and the connection to that land, but also uh, don't really fully grasp the impact of those words on um, the safety of Jews outside of Israel, certainly within America, where we've seen this uptick in anti-Semitic attacks, rhetoric, and uh, just an overall very significant encroachment on our personal safety and well-being. We have um, protests and, frankly, attacks on on Israeli or Jewish-owned businesses, defacements of um, public places. Even the New York City Public Library, you know, was defaced uh, around a donor's name, which was obviously Jewish, um, as if it had anything to do with Israel. That is where we start to see this um, blurring of the lines. And I think there's something, it's interesting in the discussion about anti-imperialism, you know, we're about to enter the um, uh, Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights, which is um, a celebration of Jewish resistance to imperial occupation of Judea several Mm. millennia ago. Which is the West Bank, right? Exactly. And so when you talk, Jews are native to the Levant and have been for millennia, and that's a plural of, you know, for thousands of years. We are not colonists, um, and we are, in fact, indigenous to that land. So just understanding the history is 
globally is so important. And it's why some of that language that we hear the in, in modern rhetoric around anti-Zionism feels so ahistoric and frankly, um, anti-Semitic because it's denying the peoplehood and placement of Jews within history. And the fact that we are essentially eternal immigrants, having been either occupied or driven out of various places we've called home historically, which was the entire purpose of establishing a state, which would be a place we would always be welcome and able to seek refuge when we were kicked out of wherever. And that includes, by the way, the neighboring countries such as Yemen, Syria, Iraq, which you know, Jews have, again, lived in for thousands of years, but were uh, either sometimes subject to state-sanctioned violence or rules and laws that restricted their ability to thrive, and at other times did just fine, but have been expelled from those countries. Um, and these are, by and large, what we call Mizrahim, who are Jews native to Middle East and North Africa. This does not easily sit in a, uh, fit a narrative of white supremacy, which is part of the critique so many anti-Zionists um, wrap up their arguments in, which is that this is imperialist Western white supremacy being imposed on an indigenous um, Arab brown people. And it's just a sort of exporting of the American construct of race into a context in which it's it absolutely has no bearing. And that's a real problem, which is why I think the lack of education combined with a seeming, in, I would say, indifference or uninterest in knowing anything about this history is part of what uh, renders sometimes an unintentional and oftentimes very intentional anti-Semitism. Let me take one more call for you. Iman in Brooklyn. You're on WNYC with Alexis Grinnell. Hi, Iman. Uh, hi, Brian. Hi, Alexis. So I, my family, I'm Palestinian. Uh, my family has been in our village in Palestine for 700 years. We've been there for 700 years, long before Hamas existed, long before this right-wing Israeli government existed. And it just even before um, any of this started on October 7th, my sister, when I was 16 years old, was shot in the back by Israeli soldiers for being in a peaceful protest. No Israeli soldier was ever held accountable. My eight-year-old brother, a few years later, had a gun put to his head by Israeli settlers. No one was held accountable. My parents had their home stormed by Israeli soldiers and put guns to their head made to get on all fours. No one was ever held accountable. This is what we're fighting for as Palestinians. We're just fighting for equality. And you, Alexis, are making excuses for the Israeli government. You are making excuses. We do not have the right to drive on roads that only Israelis are allowed to ride on, drive on. We're not allowed to have the same access to water as Israelis. We're not allowed to have the same access to housing as Israelis. We're not allowed to have the same access to civil court. We are tried in military courts. We live under martial law. That is what we are facing on a daily basis. And that's just my family, right? We're talking about millions of Palestinians who are suffering under this while you are sitting here dissecting the words and the language. 100% I agree with you. Anti-Semitism exists. I know because as a Palestinian Sometimes when people know I'm Palestinian, they immediately approach me to tell me what they think about Jewish people. And I find myself having to say, no, how dare you? Please do not talk about Jewish people that way. This is not a Jewish issue. This is a state of Israel 
that is mistreating my people and has now for 75 years. And I know this to be true because the biggest group of people who support us are usually young Jewish activists who have often put their bodies in front of us to protect us. And Alexis, I would invite you to go to my village. I would invite you to go and stay in a Palestinian town and learn what we have to live through as Palestinians and then come back to Brian Lehrer's show and tell him what you think then. That's what I would invite you to do. And please do not ignore that right now as we speak, there is a Palestinian child being killed every 10 minutes in Gaza. Every 10 minutes in Gaza. Let me get you Every a, 10 minutes in Gaza. A response, Iman. Thank you for all of that. Before we wrap up, I want to play one more Jeremy Cohen clip from Friday. He said the DSA does not make it a litmus test for endorsing politicians. Um, some politicians want the DSA endorsement, obviously. Uh, he, they do not make it a litmus test that they support a one-state solution, but that sometimes people think that's the case because they confuse it with something else. Listen. I think, you know, that maybe the confusion sometimes comes because we are, DSA is a supporter of the BDS movement, a nonviolent attempt to pressure the Israeli state to... That's boycott, uh, divest, and sanction. And so, you know, that is very important to our members. That is very important. Um, and the general standing of legislators with Gazans and with um, Palestinians and for the democratic, civil and political and economic rights yeah. of Palestinians is very, very important to our members. That is definitely a litmus test in our organization. Alexis, what's your own position on BDS? I think it's not been very successful. And I think um, there's actually a lot of ways to look at this. Um, but the, the, when I wrote my piece in January, it was about the DSA sort of uh, debate about expelling Jamal Bowman, congressman from the Bronx and Westchester over his support for BDS, which, uh, or lack of support rather, um, which is, you know, consistent with Bernie Sanders, who also does not support BDS. And what Bernie has said is that it's just, I don't, I don't think it's productive. I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's successful. And I don't think it's a way forward. Um, I, I'm really, my issue is what gets us to a practical solution. And the problem, and I think this is what is, um, what is often meant as a simply a, you know, peaceful protest against, um, uh israel's policies towards palestine is read and and heard in a way that is not fully appreciated on the left because of a uh, both a ignorance of but also i think lack of interest in jewish history and the jewish experience in america and the jewish experience more worldwide but let me let me jump in for for time and we thank Alexis Grinnell from Pythia Public. She co-founded that political communications firm and a columnist for The Nation magazine. Alexis, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.